Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. Thank you very much for joining me for another episode where I talk to people in music and in media. And this month, June, one year, you and I have been doing this podcast. Feel free to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Spotlight Conversations. And also go to SpotlightConversations.com and you'll find more information about voiceover work I do, uh, blogs that I write. Amanda Lamb is my guest today. She's been a television reporter for more than 30 years. Just think of all the stories in 30 years. Um, 26 of those, she's worked for WRAL. Uh, Not only does she know journalism, she is an author, published 10 books, four memoirs, three true crime books, two children's books. You've covered pretty much every story. You've heard all the stories. Thank you. Yeah, I think I probably can't think of one story that I haven't covered. We do a little bit of everything. Um, Of course, being in North Carolina, we're a hurricane magnet, so I've covered a lot of storms. Um, I've covered a lot of criminal investigations. That's kind of my wheelhouse. So from the beginning, from the crime, through the investigation, through the trial, since I've been here so long, I get to see the whole process play out. And um, recently, of course, a lot of stories about COVID. So kind of uh, brushing off the old science hat from high school and trying to remember um, a lot of the things we learned back then. And and so you kind of become a, a little bit of a mini expert every single day. It's dangerous. You know a little bit about a lot of topics. I see you're from Philly. How did you end up in Raleigh? Well, so I went to Duke undergrad. So I already had a taste of North Carolina and really loved it when I lived here. Um, I went to Northwestern in Chicago for grad school, did an internship in DC. And I went back to Pennsylvania for a short stint in radio But for a lot of TV people, the only way to get a job is to move around, to go to Mm -hmm. smaller markets. Back then, if you can remember this time, no internet. Um, So (laughs) the way that I got my first job is I got in the car with a box full of resume tapes, a box full of pre-printed resumes that my dad had printed at his office, two dry clean suits, a AAA map, and a book called um, Broadcast Yearbook, which is was an actual like diary oh, yeah. of all of the stations. And I right. started driving. I drove about 2,500 miles up and down the East Coast, knocking on doors, talking to anyone who would see me. And my first job was in Myrtle Beach. Um, my second job was a little bit easier to get because I already had you know something under my belt, and I had a resume tape that actually was on air. Uh-huh. And I worked in Portland, Maine, which was an absolutely beautiful place to be and a great place to be in my twenties. And then I had had known about WRAL. I'd heard their reputation, and because I'd already lived in North Carolina, and actually my mom was from the Charlotte area, I had some connections here. And I thought, you know what, this would be a nice place to go for a couple of years. And that was in 1994. So I'm still here. You're still here. And your parents are both attorneys. Did you think about going to law school or how did journalism come into this? I absolutely thought about going to law school. Uh, Pretty much every time I got my paycheck, I thought about going to law school um, (laughs) when I was younger. And then my dad kept asking me when I was going to give up this silly TV thing and go to law school. And I think I would have been a good lawyer. Um, But I'm really interested in the criminal law. And I've gotten an opportunity to really 
participate and probably watch more trials than most lawyers ever try in their lifetime, in their career. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of been the best of both worlds. I've gotten uh, on the job training in criminal law. My dad was a district attorney in the county where I grew up for eight years and then a special prosecutor after that. So I, I had been in the courtroom as a very, um, you know, young child, as an adolescent watching murder trials. And so when I became a journalist, it was always kind of an, an interest to me. And as I moved through the ranks at WRL, they eventually kind of allowed me to focus on that in many ways. And so that's been great. A crime podcast coming up very soon. Is that right? And tell me a bit right. about that. So I have a couple. Um, Capital Broadcasting, the parent company of WREL, has really been working on their podcast division. And we have a lot of weekly, daily podcasts, but these are long-term investigative. So Hmm. I can't release too much about them, but the first one is called Follow the Truth. And it's following a high-profile investigation uh, that happened in the 90s and kind of going back and, and, and looking into it again. And it was the murder of... James Jordan, who um, was Michael Jordan's father. So a lot of interest in that. Our company recently produced, and I did not produce it, but our company recently produced Moment of Truth, which is a documentary on the same topic, and it's on Amazon right now. It's really, it's a great documentary for anyone that's interested in that topic. So I did the podcast, but I did it completely separately. I wanted it to be... um, a companion piece, but but not exactly like the documentary. So I actually never watched the documentary until it aired. And I did mine kind of on my own with, with a couple of producers. And then we're also working on one called What Remains, which is about taking the remains of missing and murdered people in North Carolina. As of today, there are 128 cases, literally boxes of bones stored by the state of North Carolina with no identities. And going back and looking at these cases, talking to scientists. So it's been fascinating. It's a completely different genre, as you know, from doing podcasting. It is um, it allows you to breathe a little bit more. You can you can really go down some rabbit holes and and tangents that are really interesting, I think, to listeners. So your work at WRAL, a lot of that helps you with the true crime books. Because you've written a couple of them. Absolutely. Right. So I've written three true crime books. Um, The first one was Deadly Dose. I also wrote Evil Next Door and then Love Lies. And they are all based on murder cases that I've covered for WREL. So Mm -hmm. as most listeners who are interested in true crime know, they are by the book. They are exactly what happened on the record. I use press conferences. I use... Um, court proceedings. I use interviews that I've done for WRL and then interviews that I did later to add into the stories. Mm -hmm. So recently I started writing fiction because I I realized I had so many interesting backstories that I was Mm. never able to tell and just had met so many characters along the way. I mean, I can't even tell you. And so um, I just had always been interested since I was a little girl in writing fiction. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. So I started a murder mystery series. I had my first book published last year. It's called Dead Last. And my second book, Lies That Bind, just came out last week. And it's published by a Durham publisher called Light Messages Publishing. And basically, um, it takes the main character, who's a TV reporter, (laughs) and kind of follows her through all of these really interesting situations. And she has a very complicated, interesting backstory that's going to flow through all of the books um, and eventually reveal itself. So 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. And I'm just finishing the editing on my third book, third fiction. And that all that's called no wake zone. And that should be out in May of 2022. So doing about a book a year right now. So does it take you a whole year to outline, flesh it out, get the characters ready? Um, you know, I could probably do it a lot faster if I didn't work full time in television. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really the kind of thing where it does take a year because I have to write it, then I have to give it to the publisher, they edit it, then they send it back to me, you know, there's a process. Um, and then they have to print it and promote it. So it, it does take about a year, but that's actually really fast paced. Most people don't do a book a year. Um, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to keep it up much longer, but I, I do really enjoy it. And I hope to continue the series because I think it's a lot of fun. And and readers get a peek into not only investigations, but they uh -huh. also get a little peek into TV. And I think I think a lot of people find the behind the scenes stuff pretty interesting. Um, as an anchor, or as a reporter, how has social media affected news reporting and stories for you personally? Oh, gosh, you know, where do I begin? So, um, you know, I've been in the business 32 years, so I am an old school reporter. In fact, um, if you tell me to make calls, I'm generally the person that's going to just jump in the car and go knock on the door um, <laughs> because I believe that people are much more likely to talk to you face to face if you give them an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if you call them, it's pretty easy to say no. Um, you know, it. It's so interesting because the internet in many ways has made things so much more efficient. The mm -hmm. information that we're seeking is often very uh, quickly uh, available online and public records on social media. Sometimes we learn about things. And so from that standpoint, it, it's, it's, it's great because it makes us able to turn things much faster. Um, from the other standpoint, it's able, it makes us able to turn things much faster that's not always good because sometimes we don't take pause and we don't stop and think about what we're saying, what we're, what we're reporting, what we're posting. And, and so accuracy sometimes, um, isn't always the priority when, when you're competing in this 24 seven news cycle. Uh, I will also say when it comes to social media, I think it's once again, it can be a great thing. It can be a dangerous thing. I think it can give you insight into television reporters, for example, you learn that they aren't just this stoic person in front of the camera with a mic, but mm -hmm. they have families and they have dogs and they have children and they ride bikes and they go to the beach and they have this life that's, you know, outside of, of being a TV reporter. And I think that makes them more well-rounded and more interesting people to the viewers. On the other hand, um, social media in the hands of people who maybe aren't, um, as concerned about appropriateness of what they post or um, reputation. And unfortunately, people who have grown up with it, I think, have a different take on it. Um, sometimes it can get a little dicey. And um, so that's why I think all companies, uh, especially media companies, need to have social media managers mm -hmm. to be the gatekeepers of that. Uh, but it's also moving so fast, it's really hard to be the gatekeeper. So, um, I post my stories on social media and I post anything that I think my viewers might be interested in from my personal life that's not too personal, if that makes sense, um, because I do think there needs to be some boundaries. And um, 
you know, you, you, you can never be too careful. So I try to give my viewers and my followers some insight into what I'm doing outside of TV, mm-hmm. but I also like to keep certain things private. So it's a delicate balance. Um, I did not grow up in a world where you share everything. Um, and I think that's a different generation. And I think, you know, it can be good. It can be bad. I think, I think as journalists, we have a responsibility to be careful about how we carry ourselves in public. We are uh, expected to be unbiased. We are expected to be um, fair. We are expected to carry the the mantle or the reputation of our company on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. And given that, you, you have to be careful about how you use social media. I was just reading a quote from you about journalism where you said, curiosity is the fuel behind all good journalism. Can you give me some examples with all the stories you've done, including social media stories? I mean, absolutely. I um, I love people and I'm very interested in their stories. And often I get so caught up in talking to the person that I forget the focus of the story, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, I was doing a story um, last week. Well, it aired last week, but to coincide with the anniversary of George Floyd's death. And I was talking to pastors at two different churches, one a predominantly black church, one a predominantly white church. And they had connected right after George Floyd's death and decided they were going to start a dialogue. It's a very Mm -hmm. interesting story. I mean, they were both fascinating people. And as I was talking to them, I just became so interested in them as people. I wanted to know the background and especially Um, The one pastor in the smaller black church, he had come from so many different churches and then come to find out he had uh, five adopted children. And so, of course, right away, I'm like, Uh well, tell me about that, which had nothing to do with the the minute and a half television story. But Uh so I, I think that curiosity is honestly what fuels me every single day. I never know what I'm going to get into. I never know who I'm going to be talking to. I never know what I'm going to learn. And I don't think there's a lot of jobs like that. Um, It's strange. I'm doing the same job I did 32 years ago, but every single day I'm meeting new people and learning something new. So I think that's probably why I'm still at it. And you love it because I can hear it in your voice. You love it. I do. I I love what I do. Um, You know, the industry has changed a lot. And as you probably know, uh, journalists are not the most respected people anymore, given Mm -hmm. that the field has become very crowded with people that call themselves journalists. And it's hard to say who is a journalist, who's not a journalist. It's not for me to judge. But, you know, everybody who has a blog is has become a journalist. And so what happens is there's a lot of opinion that is out there under the guise of journalism. And so people, I think, see that and they they don't like that. They, they want their journalists to be fair and unbiased. And so um, we used to get a lot of respect. And now we we get a lot of um, I'm just going to be honest. We get a lot of hate from a lot of different directions and you have to have a really thick skin. And, and that's online. But it's also in person. You know, we cover a lot of mm-hmm. events now where people don't like us. And um, sometimes they're verbally threatening and sometimes they're physically threatening. And so that is not something that came with the territory, so to speak, when I first got into to the business. So so the business and the way that we're perceived, I'm not a big fan of that but I am still loving what I do. I'm talking with Amanda Lamb, award-winning journalist with WRAL-TV5 in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
She's written podcast. She's working on a podcast about crime. She's written true crime novels, but you also have a blog called Go Ask Mom, and you help people with stage fright. Is that correct? On the yeah. side, you're a multi-dimensional person. A lot of platforms. Wow. So, um, right. So, I also wrote um, four memoirs, and. They are, three of them are about my children, just raising kids. Um, I joke that it's Irma Bombeck meets David Sedaris, if you know who that is. I do. So, he's uh, from Raleigh, too, I think. He is think. from Raleigh, yeah. and I've met him, and he's quite lovely. Um, but, you know, the the whole juggling, the working, parenting conundrum. Um, so I started the blog for WRL. I write it every Monday, and I started that. I think I'm a, one of their pioneer members. So I think we figured out it was either 2009 or 2010. So a good, you know, over a decade. Um, so it's really been interesting because I write about my kids from, I guess, elementary through middle, through high school and now into college. Wow. Um, I think I'm going to take a little break yeah. because they're going they're, I'm going to be an empty nester in August. So I'm not going to have the weekly uh, stories. So I will be still writing about them, but probably not quite as often. And of course, as they've gotten older, writing about them has gotten a lot more difficult because they actually read it. And oh, yeah, they they are. Yeah. that I've written. Um, it gets <laughs> kind of complicated. I also wrote one memoir um, about so my books on 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 children um, and all of this funny stuff that goes along with it. Right. They are called Smotherhood, um, I Love You to God and Back, and Girls Gone Child. Um, and then I wrote a, a, a serious memoir about caregiving. My mother had brain cancer in 2012, and um, she was an attorney in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I took family medical leave, and she came here to be treated at Duke. And I stayed home and took care of her for 80 days until she passed away. And um, we wrote a, a, uh, a Caring Bridge post. And so that book kind of was, was born out of that um, and all of the, you know, the things that go along with it. And even though it sounds like a very heavy topic, there's actually a lot of humor in it. My mother was very funny and we shared a lot of humor. There's um, there's a whole chapter called the brain tumor humor. And we had a brain tumor humor list, all the, the crazy things that happened. In fact, she said, you know, I never have to wear a seatbelt again or put on sunblock again. Um, I said, that's true, mom. <laughs> um, you know, we definitely had our moments. But anyway, um, so that's that's kind of where the go ask mom stuff came from is is kind of the real life things that I've been experiencing over the years in my family. And then, um, yeah, so I started a, a little company a couple years ago called Stage Might, which stage is Might. stage yeah. fright. Right. And um, I'm just really interested in working with people who need coaching on presentations. And I've actually done a little work um, with people getting ready to go to court because that can be really daunting if you've mm -hmm. never done mm -hmm. that before. Mm -hmm. um, especially in a in a civil lawsuit, if you have to testify and how that, you know, how that's going to feel. Um, but, you know, everything from if you have to do a virtual presentation, if you have to do an actual presentation, if you have to uh, do something in front of your board of directors, if you have to do something at a nonprofit. So really just helping people, coaching people with presentations, because it's probably the place I feel the most comfortable 
is standing in front of a microphone and a group of people. How, how did that come up? How did you decide, you know, there's some people out there that need help getting up in front of people in the courtroom? You know, real yeah, life. I just have seen so many people struggle um, with making presentations. I've definitely seen people in the courtroom struggle with what it's like to be on the stand. I mean, if you think about it, attorneys dealing with the case have so much they have to take into account and factor in. And, you know, sometimes they have thousands of pages of documents or discovery to go through. They don't have that time to sit with their witness necessarily and help them not just coach them on how to answer questions, but on on how to be confident and how to be comfortable um, in that setting, which is a really unnatural setting for most people. Um, so again, I do so many things. I haven't had a ton of time to do that. <laughs> My favorite um, clients, I had a couple of boys um, who are really well versed in technology and they had written a couple of tech books um, for children to try to get them interested in mm. technology. And um, they were winning all sorts of awards and going to conferences and yet they had never really done any public speaking. And so um, I worked with them and they were just, they were, they were great. It was three boys and their youngest brother was the actual kind of guru ah. and he was not a public speaker at all. So the older boys were kind of trying to take that on for him. And um, it was it was really fun. It was really their mom hired me to help them with that. And that was a lot of fun. Now, where can I find all of this information about the books you've written, the podcasts and so on? Sure. So I am in the process of um, revamping my website, but it is up right now and you can go look at it. It's alamauthor.com. And right now it'll tell you about my latest book. You can also buy the book right before that. Um, all my books are on Amazon. So if you do just put my name in Amazon books, they should all come up. But it's A-L-A-M-B-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. I'm on Facebook at Stage Might. Um, I'm also, you can also find me under W-R-E-L Amanda Lamb. You can find me on Instagram under W-R-E-L Amanda Lamb. And you can find me at Twitter at A Lamb. So I'm everywhere. <laughs> and I, I have my summer reading all set up too. I'm still into getting books. I'm going to get a, and I guess I could do an ebook, but I love to hold a book. Yeah, there is something neat about that. And um, in fact, I kind of went back to that. I, I've done a lot of audio books, to be honest, because I'm a big exerciser. Um, I run and I also walk miles with my dog. And so I do a lot of audiobooks, but I have recently just said, you know what, I want to start holding a book again. And so I've been buying books and um, there's just something nice about having that book next to your bed at night. And, and, you know, you can take it anywhere and doesn't matter if your, you know, your phone or your Kindle is not charged. You got a book. Right I don't there. know. Under an umbrella on a beach, Wrightsville beach with a book. Exactly. I can almost visualize. Nice. Thank it's you. Nice. I have my... <laughs> I yeah. have an idea for summer. <laughs> Amanda, thank you for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Donna, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for talking to me. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.